0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Maverick Mondays. I'm your host, Maverick Peters. It is my intention to change your Mondays, to change your week, and to change your life. One episode, one Monday at a time, here on the Maverick Mondays podcast. I've had the incredible opportunity to sit down with some pretty fantastic people. The individuals who are successful at what they do, or are extremely positive-minded in the way they live their daily lives, Those are the people we will be hearing from on this show. Stay tuned for today's guest. I want to tell you guys about my friends at Rue Badler Sports in Solon, Ohio. The guys at Rue Badler's bring passion and efficiency to the world that is custom sporting goods. They specialize in custom jerseys, team orders, online web stores, and now face masks. With the ever-growing advancements in technology, it's about time the sporting goods industry does so as well, making it as seamless as possible. They work to create a highly efficient way of connecting athletes, coaches, and all you soccer moms out there with top-notch spirit wear. Let their team help your team take the stress out of the clothing part so you can focus more on performing your best. Call them today at 440-248-4668. Mention my name, Maverick, and see how you can save on your very first order. Our guest today on the Maverick Mondays podcast is Michael Bryant. Michael is an entrepreneur for over 30 years. He is an endurance athlete and a six-time Ironman finisher. He founded the Career Transition Services, which is now CTS Consulting. He's a writer, a speaker. He's been featured in Inc. Magazine and now on the Maverick Mondays podcast. Michael, welcome.
1: Thanks a lot, Maverick.
0: I mentioned before that you are an entrepreneur for over 40 years. 40 yes. years is a big number.
1: It is. It is. I've been at this. I've been at this for a really long time. You know, I was one of those people that discovered sort of early on that I was unemployable, that I was not going to do well working for other people. I actually had um, I had started working when I was about 11 or 12 years old. I actually had I was running five businesses at the age of 12. I actually was the first person I've ever heard of that actually subcontracted a paper route. Um, You had to be 16. I was 12. Um, and so I was paid, uh, 50 cents a day and a dollar on Sundays to deliver this guy's papers. And I raised and sold rabbits. I raked, raked leaves, shoveled snow, cut grass, uh, had a vegetable garden. I was just, I had figured this out and, uh, was an athlete in, uh, in high school and college. I was a high school and collegiate wrestler and, and got out of school. And my goal was actually to, um, coach wrestling and become a history teacher my mother was a teacher my grandmother's a teacher and that really was sort of the track I had myself on you know how you have these these um, moments in your life these epiphanies you know these kind of like life-changing kind of moments Um, well I I had one of those Um, I think I was probably 26 years old I'm standing in front of a group of 14 year old kids that. Eight o'clock in the morning, talking about the Missouri Compromise, a little voice came in my head, and I said, "I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm 40, but it's not going to be this." That sort of led me to figure out, well, you know, what do I, what do I want to do with my life? I mean, what, what would that look if it's not this? What would it look like? And as sort of, as sort of, kind of fate would have it, um, I stumbled upon purely by chance. Um, some of the best minds in the world in the field of, of career development and and what they what they call life planning, you know, which is which is becoming, um, I guess, more in vogue again. And the way I explain it to people, I I, I say, suppose you had this interested in psychology and you found this guy Freud, but you didn't know he was Freud. you just knew he was this guy but it turned out he was Sigmund Freud well I basically found the force on my field and studied with these people and really began to understand that you really could kind of direct your life I mean you could figure out what you wanted to do and you and you could do it and so I initially said you know what I think I'll do um because i like i like working with high school kids and i'm like maybe i can help high school kids figure out what to do when they get out of high school you know cuz you know what what a lot of us do is you know by the time you're 18 years old the long, only thing you've done longer than go to school is ride your bike and so it's kind of normal to say, well, I'll just do some more school. And then that takes about 20 minutes. And then you're done with that. You're right back to asking the question. So I thought, well, maybe I'll help. I'll help high school kids. I modeled and created um, programs. They went very well. Um, I did that for a couple of years. I just said, you know, when you're 16, the future is just too far away. So I decided I would work with a with a a, a larger, uh, an older population. I initially started a business to work with high school kids, um, called Brain Educational Services. It was a spectacular flop. I mean, that thing crashed and burned in about like uh, four months. It was that was awesome, and I said, "Well, that that didn't work. So let's kind of dust off, spend some time getting really good at what you do." I had some counseling background from education courses and i and i said let's get really good at like leading programs and counseling people got created a job in an organization to do that and then um 1981 um launched career transition services um initially trying to help people with that question what do you want to do next with your life and sort of found myself in a position of helping um individuals um Created a a a program called Seven Steps to Effective Job Hunting, and went around and gave it away to every place I could find. And my deal was, I'll come do this for free, and if you like it, and and you want me to do something else, well, then you need to pay me. And I got enough I got enough exposure from that um, that I said, okay, this will work. In addition to that, I said, you know. I I really need like some wise people to talk to. So maybe I could create like a little unofficial board of directors for myself. So I said, well, you know, who would be on that board? And and I created what are they're called principles of exclusion. So you figure out how to identify something by excluding what it's not. So I said, well, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to do consulting, but I, I know how to do, my kind of consulting so I don't need to talk to people about that and I said well what do you need to talk to and I said well I need to talk to successful consultants you know uh, and so is there anything else you need to know from that and I said yeah you know I'm, I'm a little bit different so I'm going to need kind of like off the wall successful consultants and they're going to be in my board of directors you know if you can if you can figure out your focus you you can find just about anything if you're determined. And so here I start looking. met this guy. He said to me, one of my goals was to be on the Today Show. And at the time, Jane Pauley was one of the co-hosts. And he said, I just wanted to sit across from Jane Pauley for five minutes. But to do that, I had to do something that made me famous. So he invented a field called Parrot Burnout. He wrote a book and I'm meeting this guy and he says well you know turn on the Today Show at five minutes till nine on Friday I'm going to be on I thought he's making it up well sure enough there he was I said perfect you're going to be on my board of directors and I found a couple of other knuckleheads like that and they became sort of my wise people that I would go to talk to sometimes I listen to everything they said sometimes I would listen to part of what they said and sometimes I wouldn't listen to anything that they said but at least I had some people that I thought kind of understood the way I wanted to do things and lo and behold the business starts to grow my my visibility takes off and then something strange happened as I was um, working with people that were trying to figure out what they wanted to do I can remember um, one session with a client and he said you know I'm having a hard time managing time because I work and then after work I have to go figure out what to do I don't know how to do that time-wise I thought, well I'll just learn about time management. I'll learn about time management, and then I can help you with that. And also, I thought, you know, you run this business by yourself. You're you're it. So if you're going to be able to get everything done, you're going to need to be really not only effective but quite efficient in what you do. And I thought, well, you know what? This time management really helped me. Off I go. I learned about that. Next thing you know, I'm doing consulting in that area. As I, as, as I look at that I figure out you know what it's not that this person that person don't manage time well they don't communicate well well I'll go learn about that and then all through the races we go and I create this thing that I call an interest driven business so I would find things that would interest me I just thought they were interesting they would help other people and I would incorporate them into my business well you know with, with in a period of time The name Career Transition Services just was too limiting because I was doing so many other things. And people would sort of call the business CTS anyway. And so I thought, well, that would be a good name. So I just called it CTS Consulting and I changed it. So that became where the business is right now.
0: What is the, the secret to over 40 years of being an entrepreneur and in the world of business? And what is the most important thing you've learned in those years? The
1: most important thing that I've learned is that I have to be flexible and adapt. That has been by far. I can remember in, so let's see, the business started in 1981. 1989, we had um, a, a, a short recession, particularly hit the real estate industry hard. And what had happened is that I had become just coincidentally, very focused in that industry. So I was working with real estate companies, I was working with developers, and they then led me to subcontractors, and when that recession hit, I lost sixty percent of my business in one week. Our, 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 we have three children now, and they're, you know, two of them are in their mid thirties; the other is in is in her, is in her late twenties. Uh, but at the time, we just had two little ones, and my wife was a stay at home mom, so this, you know, I was it. And so, I figured you better get smart in a hurry and figure this out. And so, I realized that the, what I was. Was what I call nice but not necessary. So I'm not like I'm not like heat and lights. I mean, if you got to cut something, you're going to cut me. So I figured you better figure out a way where you can be a little more nimble next time around. So I had developed in the very early part of my business in outplacement part, and I was um, heavily into law firms. So over time, what that meant is. For like a layperson, that's not a lawyer. I know about as much of their world as you know, and not be one of them, you know. So I began, you know, writing for their journals and speaking at their conferences, and I know their their shorthand, so I get get to sound smarter than I am when I talk to them. So I said, you know what? Ramp up the outplacement part of your business because. If people are, are, are laying people off and they're basically cutting back on what their, their expenditures are, well, it's kind of like if the left hand doesn't get them, then the right hand will. Well, fast forward to the 2008-2009 uh, financial crisis. I had my two best years ever. Because by then, I had developed that outplacement business so much that certainly some of my clients had to temporarily put me on hold doing my consulting, but that was okay because I just jumped right in and was just was just incredibly busy for a couple of years, particularly with um with real estate attorneys became a huge part of my business. So that flexibility became happen. Now, here we here we come to uh, to the uh, the coronavirus. and and once again, I'm like, okay, let's get nimble. witness what you and I are doing right now. So I'm constantly looking at ways to basically sort of look at what I need to do and then adapting and adjusting. So I would say by far, that has been the thing that has kept me. And also, I would say the fact that I've diversified.
0: So, Michael, you you mentioned that flexible and the ability to adapt is probably Mm -hmm. your secret to over 40 years. And um, you described how in the 80s there was a recession and you really had to be flexible and adapt. And then I'm so Mm -hmm. glad you mentioned the coronavirus, COVID-19 and our our national lockdown and quarantine has the... um, the flexibility skill that you have has that been utilized in the same way has it been different
1: well it's it's all different for this particular reason you know we we are using this word new normal and that and that is it's, it's like it's a novel term it's really not um, when i started my business that was a new normal you know when you when you leave home and go out into the world that's a new normal when you get married that's a new normal we have lots of new normals the difference between this new normal is if you do any of those other things there's somebody around who's done that before and they can and they can kind of guide you through it there is nobody uh, there's no adult alive from the 1918 pandemic and so there's no one to look to for this, and basically say, "So what would this look like?" So, to be able to 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 be kind of nimble on your feet with this, what what those those of us who are able to do that, you're going back to more kind of kind of general kinds of lessons in terms of not just this particular one. Cause we, we haven't seen one of these before, but but when I've had to deal with change. Um, what have I done? Now, in my case, what I did is I've gone to the lessons from my world as an endurance athlete. That's where I really began to look at and say, okay, what's, what's your, what's your mind shift that you've done? What are your successes there? You know, success leaves clues and failure leaves a lot more. I looked back and I said, okay, when I lost 60% of my business, I'm sure somebody had, but I didn't know them, so I had to say, okay, so you can't control the recession, just like you can't control the coronavirus. I mean, it's, it's there. It's, it's equal opportunity. It'll jump on anybody. What can you control? Well, you can control what you can all control. There's two things no matter what's happening that no one gets to decide but us. We always have control over how we respond to circumstances, and we always have control over how we treat other people no nobody get nothing nothing gets decide that we're we're always in charge of that so i focused on the first and i said okay we're going to call this adversity you know on steroids right now what is this this is an unknown so what's your experience dealing with unknown so i go back to my one of my other identities i began to look at those lessons and i said all right let's look at some of your races and let's look, look at some of the kinds of things where you basically had adversity hit you and you had to respond so I've been a triathlete for 35 years on and off I've done Ironman I've been in that world for 15 years now 2005 I signed up for 2006 and we're up there and I thought well you know this is not anything to fool around with. It's a 2.4-mile swim followed by a 112-mile bike followed by a 26.2-mile marathon. I'm like, you're going to need to you know, get in a way, a lot better shape than you've been in for a long, long time. At the time, I'm like 55 years old. It's, uh, the swim part is, is um, Mirror Lake. Mirror Lake is in, in Lake Placid. There's, it's a rectangular course, and you do it twice. They call it a loop. So I decided, well, I'll go out and, and swim 1.2 miles. I mean, I'm in good enough shape I can do that. It's kind of an overcast day, not a good beach day. um There's really nobody out in the water. I start, sw- I've got on my wetsuit. I, I start swimming, and you know, I'm wet, but then all of a sudden I notice I'm getting like wetter. And I look up and it started to rain. I'm like, oh, I don't care. And it's rain and I'm wetting. Well, then it starts like. Pour, and now it's like really coming down. And I stop a second. I look ahead. There's a there's a, a, a mountain range. And I look and coming over this mountain range rather quickly, some very dark cloud. I said, Oh, I don't know if this is a good idea to be out here. Then I hear thunder. I look at the end of the lake, and lightning hits the lake. I said, you got to go right now. Let's just, I break off my swim. I'm in the middle of the lake. There's nobody out there, but, you know, more, Nobody else out there but me. I break off. I hear lightning again. My right cap knots up, and right out of the top of my head, I said, you just got hit. So I came up with a plan very, very quickly because I needed to get sort of like rolling here. And I said, okay, because I could still swim. And I said, All right, we're gonna I'm gonna swim like crazy. Now I'm I'm a reasonably good swimmer, but I can't out on electricity. I'm not that fast. So I said, I'm gonna swim, stop, I'm gonna scream at the top of my lungs, then put my head down, swim, scream, swim, scream, swim, scream. One of three things is gonna happen. I'm gonna get to the shore somebody's going to come out and get me or I'm going to get hit again. And I can't think of anything else to do. One and two is a good idea, but prefer three doesn't happen. So off I go. Unbeknownst to me, there was a guy in a rowboat, a metal rowboat. He's had this presence of mind to get out. He's called 911. There are these two girls that are putting away um, rental, um, like kayaks and boats. They're plastic, though. They see me. nobody out there but me. They hear me. Here they come, each of them in a two-man kayak. They get to me. Are you okay? Well, yeah, I prefer to get out of the water, into the kayak, I go. We get to the shoreline. I get out. I call my wife. Are you okay? I get hit by lightning? I guess so. i I go to change my clothes. I come out, the lake's surrounded. They didn't see me come out. They're looking for me the EMTs, fire truck, the cops are there, a crowd. I go over, I have to tap the cop on the shoulder and say I'm good to go. You wanna go to the hospital? No, I'm hungry. I have no idea what that is. I don't know if lightning creates an appetite, but off I go. And the next day, you know, there's nothing that happens in Lake Placid. Well now I'm like I'm like a headline like an inch high on the front page of the paper, you know. You know, man rescued from Zapped Lake, you know, and so I become a lightning man. I look at that and I thought, you know, what's the lesson from that? I think about that in context of what we're talking about and what's happening with the virus. Well, the first thing that I realized is that change can happen suddenly. Here I am swimming. It's fine. All of a sudden, boom. You know, if we, you know, this month, I mean, has April been like the longest month in the history of the world?
0: April, April 2020 has been the longest month ever.
1: Ever. Ever, I mean, it's like this. like, And the reason for that is because for the first time in our adult life, we are occupying the present. Like, remember when you were a little kid, like eight years old? How long was the summer? Was that like a year?
0: Oh, it was the best.
1: Exactly. And, 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 and a morning would last like a week because <laughs> you're only where you are when you're a kid. Well, adults spend no time in the present. You know, you probably have a handful of days in your life as an adult where you were present all day, like the day somebody gets married or the day they have kids or grandchildren or something. But most adults have one foot in the future thinking about what they're going to do and one foot in the past thinking about what they should have done or might have done. And the reason as we get older, time goes faster. It doesn't go faster. We experience it faster because we're not there. Well, we're there now. And so time has been morphed. Time is just really weird. I mean,
0: you know. Aside aside from locking ourselves into a quarantine, what would you say is a good way for adults to take full advantage of the present? Is there a way to do that?
1: Yes, yes. One of the things to look at and say, well, your, your habits, a lot of your habits have been taken away from you. So the kinds of things that we normally do to define our day um i mean think of all the words that no longer are part of our vocabulary right now rush hour uh traffic jam um late you know not to mention you know prom vacation um standing room only um you know hump day um You know, I mean, all those kinds of those things have taken away. So the time that we've spent is sort of this sort of frenetic kind of, um, you know, for a lot of us, it's about acquiring, uh, uh, obtaining, retaining. Um, protecting, it's that kind of stuff. Well, a lot of that's not really there right now. So you have options. You know, we are incredibly adaptable creatures. So one of the things to look at this is, and that's a great question, you have jumped off the merry-go-round. When I'm doing corporate retreats or things like that, you know, I often say to people, this is a chance for a day or two to jump off the merry-go-round and now you can basically figure out kind of what direction your organization might wanna go in. Well, this is an opportunity in your life now because the merry-go-round has been shut down. It's not about whether you jumped off it, it's not there. So if now you begin to ask all kinds of different questions, questions a lot more, you don't have to be as concerned about what and where and with whom like you used to be. Now you can ask why questions like why 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 do i do what i do do i do i like what i do do i want to still do what i do do i do i want to do something different i have an exercise i had people use called the five year letter and this is what you do the five year letter starts these have been the happiest 5 years of my life and you're looking backwards and you're talking about what made those 5 years the, the happiest 5 years of your life The reason it's so effective, it's a goal-setting exercise that tricks your brain, and this is what it does. When you set a goal moving forward, it's very difficult for us not to do what I call infect the goal with our notion of practical, realistic, doable, feasible, possible, workable, that kind of stuff. What happens is we tend to oftentimes diminish what we want to trade for what we think we can do. So my goal is to go to the moon. But I don't know how to go to the moon, so I'll make my goal to cross the street because I can do that. When I get it done, I can cross the street. Well, that was no big deal, but I felt I could do it. In the five-year letter, I just say I went to the moon. I don't have to know how I did it because it was already done. So I'm more likely in that letter to talk about what I really want because I've taken that how out of the equation, and I've really sort of said what I really would want. So that's a a specific opportunity to sit there and say – Another thing to do is to basically say, well, what are some things that I haven't done because I've been busy? Well, we're not so busy now. And so we've gone from being human doings back to human beings, which is which is somewhat disconcerting for some people, especially if their identity has been tied heretofore in just what they do. And if they don't do, they don't have that much of a value. Now... I'm not speaking to people's need to survive and those kinds of things. I'm quite sensitive to the fact that, you know, somebody said, you know how they said we're all in the same boat? No, we're not. We're all in the same storm. There are a lot of different boats out there floating around. We're not in the same boat by a mile. There are some people that are, have, have have much more advantages than other people. So that, that question that we have about, you know, what do we do at this time, that is in large measure determined by sort of these – external circumstances. I mean, people are being kept financially whole in a lot of parts of the economy now, but that's not going to last forever. So one of the things that I'm telling people to do is like, what do you want this to look like? You know, what do you want your life to look like like a year from now? You know, what, what is this going to look like? Well, we might not have a virus. I know, but we don't control that. We, we focus on what you, you can control. I don't control that lightning hit me I'm in the lake. I got to do something about it. That's what I control. I got to respond to this thing that happened when I'm in the middle of it. That's what this is right now. Another way we respond to this, again, going back to that example, is one of the first things I did is I asked for help. I hollered and said, somebody come help me out here. Well, don't try to do this alone. I mean, if you're trying to figure out what to do, find people in your life that you have viewed heretofore as very accomplished in their life. I tend to not use the word successful because I don't really know what it means, but I know what effective means. I know people that have effective life. When I started my business, one of the things I said was, I don't want to have a successful career. I want to have an effective life. It was really looking at this thing and so what do we need to do to make our life effective right now? And by that I don't mean, you know, is there any other closet you need to clean out? I mean, that's great. And I've cleaned out some of my stuff and I'm glad I did. But that's, you know, is that gonna is that gonna give deep meaning to my life? No. It just means I can find stuff better. I'm talking about being able to look at this thing since the merry go round's been shut down right now and say when it starts back up, how do I want it? How do I want to be on it? And I and I have the time now to do that. It's really looking at this and saying, okay, how do I want myself to look coming out of this on the other side? In my uh, my son is a residential real estate agent. He's he hasn't missed a beat. He's, he's I think he sold ten houses this month. I mean, he's not missed a beat. And I called him yesterday and I said, um, such so, some Talk to me about this. Like, what, what are you doing? And he said, well, he said, I've basically gone back to basics. He said, you know, there's not a lot of inventory right now. There's still are people that want to buy houses. There's not a lot of people that not a lot of houses for sale right now. I've just adapted and adjusted. He said, I have a whiteboard. I put my big contacts on there and I'm just doing things that maybe I haven't done. Well, if you're in a business right now and let's say you're in sales and you maybe you need to look at people you haven't talked to for a long time. Maybe you need to maybe you need to go back and connect with people you haven't connected because in the past you were so quote unquote busy. Well now you have time. So now you can go back and and connect. Um, those are some specific things you're gonna do. But the larger question you get to ask now is you don't have to focus so much about who, what, when, and where. you can look at why now. and why am I? Why am I doing this? And why why is this what I want to do right now? Because the things that you, quote, had to do, you don't have to do a lot of them because there's not an opportunity to do a lot
0: of them. So, Michael, if, let if, me ask you a question. So, you, you know, you mentioned a lot of real practical things that we all can do, especially right now, uh, in terms of quarantine and stuff. Let me ask you a question for someone who, on a Monday, for example, who isn't necessarily enthusiastic, right? We all have those days. Um, yes. So how do you snap yourself out of it and get productive now that we have all this time is some of us feel a little lethargic how do we snap ourselves out of that and make those phone calls to past people or take on a new project or build our business from home great it's a great great question and and i actually went through that
1: i went through that early on in this i i woke up one day and i was really feeling like man it went on for two or three days and my wife at one point said you know um. Listen, when you find my husband, would you like let him know where he lives? To <laughs> like, 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 how did you get in my house? And you know, and and so the first thing I did is I asked myself this question. I said to myself, "Do you like what's going on right now?" And I said, No, I don't want to act like this. You know, I'm I'm, you know, however miserable I was making somebody else, I had to hang around in my head all day. And I just said, Is this the kind of person you want to hang around with? And I said, No. So then I said, Well, who would you like to hang around with? And I said, Well, I'd like to hang around with somebody that's in a better mood. And I said, Okay, specifically, what can you do right now? To get into a better mood, right? Just this, just this moment. What can you do to get in a better mood? And, you know, for me, it might have been, well, I can go out for a run right now, or you know, I can go, you know, I can, I can go finish that thing I'm working on. It can be anything. You know, I can go call a friend right now. Okay, so you start there. So what will get you, what will begin to shift that mindset a little bit? And then as you do that, you set very small goals, like tiny goals, like call one person, not not 10. Call one person. And then once you call that one person, well, how was that? Okay, do you want to do that right now? No, I don't want to do that anymore. Okay, do you want to do that anymore today? Yeah, and call one more today, okay? Then what you're able to do is, you can use a part of the brain. It's called the reticular activating system, and it controls focus. So, like, um, I remember a time we 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 went we went somewhere, and we had to rent a car, and we rented a um, a yellow xterra I got back the next day. There must have been twenty five yellow xterras on the road. I guarantee they didn't buy them over the weekend when I bought that one because. I had been in it I was conscious about it and I was looking for it so that part of the brain controls focus so one of the things you can do Abraham Lincoln purportedly said people are about as happy as they make up their mind to be so one of the things that I do is I basically say okay today's going to be a good day why because I want to hang around somebody who's having a good day that's why it's very selfish reason I want to I don't want to be in the head this is why I have a good day today okay so Every time you have something that happens good, note it because you're looking for it now. You know, oh, what was that? Great lunch. I liked what I fixed for lunch. It was great. It doesn't have. It's not. You know, there's nothing I'm going to throw a parade for. Probably it was great. You know, um, my, my friend called me. Oh, that's great. And all of a sudden you start linking those things together, and then what you're doing is you're basically shifting your focus. All the other stuff. I mean, you're still quarantined. Still can't go anywhere. But you're not. That's not your focus. Your focus is on these other kinds of things. So we have numbers of different brain waves. You know, people know about alpha and beta waves, but there's something called theta waves. The theta waves occur twice um, during the day, generally speaking. One is as as we're drifting off um, to sleep, as we're coming out of out of sleep into consciousness. And at those two times, we're incredibly open to suggestion. You basically do a little inventory. And basically, you know, if you live with somebody, you can tell them or they can tell you, you know, let me let me share three good things that happened today. And then what you begin to do is you'll begin to notice very subtly you'll wake up the next morning and you'll be like, oh, I feel like a little better. I feel like less bad, you know, or you can look around and you can say, you know, it's raining. Okay, well, I'm not going anywhere today anyway, so it's okay, you know, I won't have to water the grass. So you can basically find ways that you can make sort of um, lemonade out of limits is kind of what to do. And again, if you can go back to a time where you were down or where you were stuck or where you felt really bad and you can say, what did I do? what did I do to get out of that? Well, let me, maybe I can use some of that. And my ability to focus on what I had control on is what made all the difference in the world. Because I was able to say, okay, let's focus on what's there. That's what you can do when you start having a bad day. It doesn't have to stay a bad day. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. So I can finish and have a great day. What's something I can do right now that's enjoyable for me that I just like to do? Who's somebody I can talk to that I find very uplifting? What's something I can read about that I think will inspire me? You You know what? Maybe I'll just take a nap. Maybe I'll just need a little more rest. Maybe that's what I need. But what we have now are choices that we haven't in the past thought that we had, and we can do that now.
0: Absolutely. Well, Michael, thank you so much. This has been amazing. But if you could take one piece of advice from all your experience um, from being an endurance athlete and the six time Ironman finisher and from the business that you've created and the 40 years of being an entrepreneur and all this, all the, you know, the ups and downs and successes and failures, what would be one piece of advice that you could offer someone listening right now?
1: really can do just about anything that our heart desires, we're going to come out of this thing and it's going to be amazing for so many people. So, you know, believe, just believe.
0: Takeaways from episode 28. If you're not happy with your current life situation, ask yourself, if it's not this that I want to do, what is it? What would that life look like? Figure out how to identify something by excluding what it's not. Create your board of directors, a network of people you can go to for creative, effective advice. Choose them wisely. Look at what you need to do, adapt and adjust where necessary. In a situation out of our control, first we have to analyze what is in our control. And there's always two things we can control. How we respond and how we treat other people. When we're kids, the summertime seems to last a year. You're only where you are when you're a kid. As adults, we rarely occupy the present. With reflecting on the past or looking to the future, we seem to experience time more rapidly. Instead of asking yourself questions of what, where, or with whom, ask yourself why. Why do I do what I do? Consider writing yourself a five-year letter that starts with, These have been the happiest five years of my life. Proceed to lead yourself through happiness in the next five years. We aren't necessarily all in the same boat. We might all be in the same storm, but there's a lot of different boats out there. What's more important to you, having a successful career or an effective life? And lastly, now that we're not so busy, with our global pandemic and national quarantine, let's try and take care of the things that we would normally push off because we're so busy.